I think of my life starting, which is really crazy, is when I tried to end my life. Right. Because I was 23. I was out in San Diego. And I had just gotten to a point in my life where I was so hopeless, dude. I was just like, so, I had had success in so much, but I had never, it never equated to anything or a feeling of being loved or accepted or respected or validated. So when I was 23, I was 2,100 miles away from home and I just said enough is enough. And I took a bunch of pills, a bunch of drugs, a bunch of alcohol. And as I was starting to fade out, I remember thinking like I, how regretful I was and I was trying to throw up and I couldn't. And so I was panicking and I called my mom who, you know, I'm 23, she's 2,100 miles away. And I'm saying, you're, you're a father. So I, I'm sure you can't even imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm telling my mom as I'm fading out, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've done. I'm sorry for doing this to you. And she screamed on the phone, Marshall, wake up, wake up. And I woke up uh, the next day in the hospital uh, emergency room all by myself in the dark. Uh, our roommate come home, found me on the floor, called the ambulance. They took me to a place in San Diego. And uh, I remember opening my eyes and I was just like, thank God, like, thank God I'm still alive. But the, first, the next thing, and I'm talking like the thank God instant was for like a half a second. Yeah. And the next thing I felt was like guilt and shame and embarrassment. Hey, I'd like to give a special shout out to the sponsor of our show, The Makeover Master. I can't say enough good things about them as they've done a ton to help grow our show and support our mission through their branding and brand strategy help. Honestly, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without them. Here's the deal. If you run a business and you want more awareness, leads, and sales, everyone out there is telling you that their strategy, tool, or tactic is the magic pill that will give it to you fast and easy. But these quick fix solutions don't work for most because most businesses are either missing the foundations or they're out of order and the foundations are what make all these online strategies work. Well, I have some awesome news for you. Because of our sponsorship with the Makeover Master, I'm able to give you their $997 foundations course for free. I've been through this course myself and it is packed with so much value and it's unlike any other course out there today. You can get through it in less than a few hours and it will completely transform your perspective on what really matters and why it matters when it comes to having more success with your business online. If you go to the show notes of this episode, our sponsors page, or visit ericallenmedia.com foundations today, you can get access to the course completely free. And I'm not really sure when this free offer is going to end, so go to ericallenmedia.com dot com slash foundations and get your free $997 gift from me to you. Marshall, you're a speaker, podcaster, coach. You're also a Guinness World Record holder, by the way. Thank you so much for taking time, man. I'm pumped to have this conversation today. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to be here. What you got started is uh, it's amazing. I love hearing your story and other people that are just fighting their way to the top. So truly an honor to be here and spend some time with your guests. Awesome, man. And your story, it's so powerful. You're going to be changing some lives today, man, through this conversation. I just know it, man. And I like to go back, start back to the beginning there. I think you grew up on a farm. Both your parents were kind of blue collar workers. Like, where did you yeah. grow up and what was childhood like for you? You know, listen, I think that before we even get started, the most important thing that anybody's going to take away from this is that it's like, first off, it's like, if you have ever felt unworthy, or if you have ever dealt with imposter syndrome, then I promise you it's going to be worth the investment of your time for the next 20 minutes to hear this. And I, I don't know which, where you're listening to, what you're watching at, but I would stop this, pause it, write this down or type it in your notes. Your mess is your message. And you guys have probably heard that before, but like legitimately your mess is your message. And so Eric, it's like, we talk about like, where does your story start? 
I yeah. can go all the way back to when I was two growing up on that farm. But I think for the listeners and for me, the first place that I, I think of my life starting, which is really crazy, is when I tried to end my life. Right. Because I was 23. I was out in San Diego. And I had just gotten to a point in my life where I was so hopeless, dude. I was just like, so, I'd had success in so much, but I had never, it never equated to anything or a feeling of being loved or accepted or respected or validated. So when I was 23, I was 2,100 miles away from home. And I just said, enough is enough. And I took a bunch of pills, a bunch of drugs, a bunch of alcohol. And as I was starting to fade out, I remember thinking like how regretful I was. And I was trying to throw up and I couldn't. And so I was panicking and I called my mom who, you know, I'm 23, she's 2,100 miles away. And I'm saying, you're, you're a father. So I, I'm sure you can't even imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm telling my mom as I'm fading out, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've done. I'm sorry for doing this to you. And she screamed on the phone, Marshall, wake up, wake up. And I woke up uh, the next day in the hospital uh, emergency room all by myself in the dark. Uh, our roommate come home, found me on the floor, called the ambulance. They took me to a place in San Diego. And uh, I remember opening my eyes and I was just like, thank God, like, thank God I'm still alive. But the, first, the next thing, and I'm talking like the thank God instant was for like a half a second. Yeah. And the next thing I felt was like guilt and shame and embarrassment. Mm. And so for a lot of people who hear my story, it's like they've been to a breaking point like that of some sort. Yep. As a storyteller, I'm always like the details are different, but at the end of the day, the emotions are the same. And so that feeling of killing myself, have feeling instant regret when I when I did it, and then waking up with that, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be alive, but immediately crushing that with, you're so stupid, you can't even kill yourself right. You're so worthless. And so the reason I wanted to start the story kind of like that is because I know there's a lot of people in our lives where it's like, even when we have these things we should be celebrating, yeah. the way that we've been wired subconsciously over time since childhood forces us to like, like downplay that to discount ourselves and so for me it's like why did i feel like that well it's like what you alluded to i grew up on a farm in illinois uh, but before that my dad left my and my mom when i was two he was a severe alcoholic beat the hell out of my mom she just said oh, enough was enough and we separated now that's a much sadder story for a, a much longer time because it equates to a regret because my father and i are now like best friends which is like only a couple of years old wow. but I, I grew up hating my father because he was never around, never a phone call, never showed up at any of my sporting events, like always drunk. And so I thought when I was little, well, my dad would rather get drunk than hang out with me. Hmm. So that's the narrative of that. Now it's like my mother gets remarried at the, when I'm four to my stepfather, and we moved to a farm uh, when I was five. And now I'm old enough and mature enough to look back and understand that my stepfather hurt people, hurt people. And my stepfather is a very, very hurt man to this day, which actually makes me very sad because I know he doesn't wake up happy like that. I, everybody hates him. My family, I, I, I can't help. I, I can't help it. But I have this soft spot for him because I know how much pain he's in. Yeah. But it wasn't always like that. And so growing up on a farm, you know, he was very hard on me. Uh, he would tell me I'm a worthless, you know, piece of crap every day. And, you know, you're so ungrateful and you're so unobservant. And you're going to be worthless just like your dad. And obviously... Not obviously, but a lot of men and Eric, I'm sure you can relate to this too. It's like growing up and I'm 36. It's like growing up and even that, that range, that's probably towards the end of that era. But it's like, as a man, you don't run and tell your mom that your stepdad's picking on you. Like I'm growing up on a farm with all the men, all the blue collar men. You don't cry about stuff. You just shut up, you show up, you do your job, you work harder. 
yep. and that's one of the big things that men struggle with. And I know you would agree. You know, still today, it's like our like our self worth is based on our performance. And so, no matter how hard I worked on the farm or what I did, no matter I was a straight A student, I was class president, I was captain of all my football teams, I was like Mister Popularity in the, in the town, right? And it's like no matter what I did, I started to subconsciously believe that no matter how well I performed, it was never going to matter because the two people I cared about the most never gave a sh- you know they didn't care about me. They never you know Phil was never going to be like yo good job bro I'm proud of you I love you. My dad was never going to show up and watch me be homecoming king like he didn't care as I'm walking down you know what I mean. Yep. And so that that for me spiraled out of control and into addiction into destruction and compul- compulsive habits which then you know, led me to trying to kill myself. And so man. most people will think, um, they're like, man, that had to be the worst day of your life. And it actually wasn't, man. And it's because like after that, after I woke up that day, I didn't want to kill myself anymore, but I didn't care if I lived. And I know that maybe you probably can relate to this, maybe a period in your life somewhere listeners definitely can. It's like I even have this silly, terrible tattoo on my chest that says live fast, die fun. Because I was like, let's go. I'm just going to, I'm going to, let's go and party my way out. And I never told anybody about my experience because I was just so ashamed. And then I met this new friend a couple of years later, and he was about four years younger than me. Uh, and he was this really vulnerable type of guy. He was a musician. So when Dustin was sad, he would say he was sad. When he was mad, he would say he was mad. When he was, when was, when he was hurt, he would cry. And I had never seen anything like that. And then this friend starts telling me, I love you. Oh, I love you, bro. Now, it's cool for me to say that I tell everybody I love them. I can't help it. But in the beginning, I remember when Dustin first told me that. I was like 24, and I was like, oh, damn, bro. I'm like, I'm like gay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. naive to grow up in the Midwest and nothing wrong with the Midwest, to grow up on a small farm. And we're, we're just men don't say something like that. Yep. And so, you know, I watched Dustin struggle over the next few years with, a, with the same things I had gone through. He had two kids already living in Omaha. It was just a, his life was a mess. Uh, because of a lot of decisions. And so finally, four years after I tried to kill myself, Dustin calls me up one night. I don't have my stuff together still. I'm still living a life of addiction and hiding and running. And Dustin, I, I see him calling. I, I skip it. I said, nope, goes the voicemail. And after it was done, I listened to the voicemail. And it's Dustin. You know, he's crying. He says, yo, bro, it's Dustin. Uh, give me a call and get this. I really need to talk to you. All right, late. And then I'm like, okay. I like the anxiety and, and I can, I, I'm contracting. I don't know at the time, but I'm contracting. I don't know what to do. I can't help. Right. And so I was like, well, I'll call him tomorrow. And then tomorrow turned into, well, I'll call him this weekend. This weekend turned into like, uh, I'll call him sometime next week. And then a month goes by and I get a call from his sister at four 30 in the morning. I answer it, you know, what's going on. And she's like, Marshall, Dustin is dead. He hanged himself last night. And I remember in the moment, I obviously I lost my friend. And it was terrible. I mean, it was like the worst feeling. But more than anything, it's like it just hurt me so bad because I know what it's like to be in the darkness. I know what it's like to like be at the moment when you are like, F it, I'm done. Because you're so scared and you're so you're so afraid. And I know I didn't want to when I did it. And then as soon as I did it, I had immediate regret that I did. And so when it when I think of that moment with Dustin, it's like I just think of how how much how scared how it was in the moment, and I know what it's like to wake up. I'm very blessed that like I know what God has a bigger plan for me. So, you know, looking at the, that situation, if that was the moment it hit me, it's like, man, if, if I had shared my story with Dustin, if I had answered that call, if I had just been a little more vulnerable, 
if I had been like, yo, bro, I know what you're going through. Trust me. Like we got this. What would have happened? Right. And uh, I don't know. You know, now I look at it like Dustin was a guardian angel sent to me because it's now a gift. That mess has become my message. And now I live my life because I'm like, dude, I just don't want people to kill themselves anymore. Like that's legit. Like I just don't want people to kill themselves anymore. Suicide right. is the result of, of depression, of illness of depression, which is, you know, oh, you're depressed, bro. Like you'll be okay. Like, yep. you know, cheer up. Think positive thoughts. And so, you know, my story just in general has kind of been this one of like, really just creating this vulnerable space for people to step into and have the option to heal. And I'm like I said, 36. Now I've been doing this for the last three years. And I'm like, what a gift. Like my story is, is literally a gift. I mean, it's how all we perceive this reality. And so I'm like, dang, dude, I only had to survive 33 years of pain. And now <laughs> I get to be, now I just get to go around like helping other people do awesome stuff and tell stories. So, you know, being able to share a story, my story on your platform like this, is just, it's just, it's a blessing. And I think that's kind of just what I want to spread to other people. It doesn't matter if you're on a big platform or small platform, or if you're just a dude that's working in a factory, like I used to do for years and years and years, like just the way that we choose to show up, whether it's when you go to practice for MMA or when you're going to build a business or it's a dad in the family or a son in the family or vice versa, like it doesn't matter what we're talking about in the arena of life, like we choose how we show up. And the story that we're telling ourselves in our head is the one that's going to dictate how we do that. And so, uh, you know, that's just learning to, to accept that and really leverage that for my, my, my ability to help other people change my life. And you know, now, now I'm sitting here and, and talking to you on this awesome podcast and, and I get paid to, to share stories. Like, what are we talking about? It's so ridiculous. Right. Man, dude, I got so many chills throughout that conversation of you just dropping bombs there, dude. I, I will say this is the first time I've made that story without crying. I think it's because I'm a little hyped up on my on my thing. So I, I didn't have to cry in front of you guys. It's a blue guy crowd. <laughs> dude, but you know what? Here's the thing is I used to be like the manly guy, like, oh, I can't cry in front of my wife or I can't cry in front of my buddies, man. And that's so not true, man. Like yeah. I've had some serious like conversations deep conversations with my my buddy man my best friend dave i met him in first grade we're still friends to this day i'm 41 man you know and we've had some just moments through the life man but uh you know when you realize that you could turn your mess into your message and you went to share that for the very first time publicly like where was that what what, what was that experience like what was going through your mind bro oh eric that is an excellent question i get uh i'm very blessed to get a lot of interviews and nobody's asked me that question before um I remember the first place I was at. I was at a real estate investing event. I was in Cancun, Mexico. I had been invited to MC event for a uh, seven-day seven event. And it was just real estate investing. It had nothing to do with anything. But nice. last second, uh, the friend, a friend of mine who was, a host, who was hosting it, um, he asked me if I wanted to do like a little 20-minute talk. And I said, okay. And I had no idea what I was going to share. I had no idea. I had just joined a mastermind a couple months before that $20,000 mastermind, which I didn't know how I was going to make the credit card payments. But uh, <laughs> I, ended up, I had to spread it across five freaking credit cards, bro. That's another story too. But um, yeah. I, I ended up uh, in this uh, mastermind. And I remember thinking like, okay, I, I felt so small, so scared. I was with all these high rollers. and I'm just this little, little social media marketing just like four years ago, you know? And so I, that was the first time I feel an imposter syndrome. And I was trying to be this person. Now, here you go. Fast forward a couple months. I'm emceeing this event through a connection I made in the mastermind. And this guy's like, do you want to do 20-minute talk? And I was like, oh, my God, all these people are going to figure out that I'm a fraud. I wasn't really speaking to him yet, right? I'm like, right. these are going to figure out that I'm a fraud. I have imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. And so I remember, uh, I mean, I was stressing over it. 
it was like literally right up to the, I'm walking up to the stage and I still don't know what I'm going to talk about for 20 minutes. And I got up there. And one of the things I remember from the mastermind a couple months before is we had a, a speaker named Naveen Jane, and he was talking about making uh, illness uh, optional. And he said, listen, whatever, whatever problem you want to solve in the world, which is I want people to stop killing themselves, whatever problem you want to solve in the world, just make a solution out of the bit or make a business out of the solution. And I was like, oh, man. So that was like when I started to get this idea that I wanted to be a speaker. Now, here you are. Fast forward. I've been talking about personal branding online. I'm getting put up on stage for 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to be found out. I walk up on stage and all that stuff I just said came rushing to me at once. And I raised my hand. I said, has anybody in the room ever thought about hurting themselves? Now, you got to think I'm in a room full of real estate investors, eight, nine, 10, 11 figure earners. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> and um, here I'm on the stage. The only thing I could think of was raise your hand if you ever tried to hurt yourself. You know, I opened my two universal questions and I ended up telling my story kind of like I just told you guys for the first time. And I was crying the whole way through it. There wasn't a dry eye in the crowd at the end of it. There's probably 300 people there. They stand up and they start applauding. And what I had realized, it's kind of like that, that scene from Eight Miles, like when Eminem goes up there and he cricket, he just says everything bad about himself, so there's nothing left to say. In that moment, I was so fearful, I just told them everything that I was scared of. And so I accidentally became vulnerable because I was just like, well, if I just tell them everything that they can't never come back and say anything about me. And that was a really powerful time in my speaking career because I realized that vulnerability was really, truly differentiated between creating that space instantly and being able to help somebody else heal or just be another talking head that's spinning hot air that people are going like, is this dude just trying to position it to bring and sell or, or what? And since that day, I've been preaching storytelling vulnerability. And that's literally how the thing started from that standpoint. Man, that's so cool. Like, so like I said, I'm 41. I didn't share my story publicly until I was 39. So just two years ago, did I actually come out and say, Hey, here's what, here's what the childhood, the broken home and the addictions and the abuse and the jail and bankruptcy, all that, like just threw it out there to people, man. And people are like, what, you know, like, man, it was Dude, freaky as hell to, to release that, but I'm, it was such a huge weight off my shoulders to get it out there. I was there. just going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. Cause we've been talking about like, what like, oh, this is what it does for everybody else. But I think that's what people miss is that uh, actually Jay-Z said revealing is healing. Yes. So how much did that change your life, man? Like when you were able to release that, was it empowering or like what was it for you? Yeah, for me, I think it was empowering because I had just started kind of looking into like, hey, maybe I would love to do public speaking. I'd love to get into more opportunities to be able to share my story. And I was watching Pete Vargas online and he was telling his story and he was doing this course on speaking and how to tell your story right. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it, man. And I did this eight minute video and I put it out on YouTube and I released it out to everybody. And man, it was like, at first I was like, oh man, I don't want to hit that button. Don't hit that button. All right, there it goes. Right. And then it was empowering. It opened up a ton of doors where I started getting booked to jump and share my story on podcasts. Last year was the first time that I'd ever been a guest on podcasts. I was a guest on 25 podcasts last year. This year I'm booked for 31 and my goal is to do 100 guest spots this year. Well, I got one for you still too. So it's number 32 for sure. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm excited, brother. Yeah, so uh, it was a huge weight off my shoulders, man, for sure. That's awesome, man. I, I think that's so cool what you're doing here. Thank you so much. While I was researching you, you know, you, you've been in this personal space, like you said, for since 2016 around there. And you talk about these amazing three characteristics that are crucial to really building that, you know, real wealth and real freedom. It's accountability, self-awareness and desire. Like why are those three so important? Man, that's an excellent question. And it's like, the first thing is like self-awareness, right? And that was yep. like the thing that changed my whole life. And, I, and and it's such a broad 
term, self-awareness. And so for me, I like to explain it like this. And this is how I first jumped off. Well, Gary Vee was shouting at me in 2016. And I was starting <laughs> to adopt the idea, but I didn't really understand it. And yeah. then Ty Lopez hits me with, you got to go do your personality test. And I was like, oh, a personality test. So I, and now I've done, now I've gone and done the disc, the disc assessment, which everybody should do and so on and so forth. But I remember seeing the personality test the first time. And what it showed me is I took, I think it was 16 personalities. I think it's what I did. And what it, what it did at the very end is it basically laid out a diagnostics of like how I am made up as a human. Okay. Now at the time, this was four years ago. I, I didn't know anything about any of this. And I'm looking at it and I was like, oh, like I naturally don't, I'm not good at logistics. Like, it's not because I'm stupid or lazy. It's because I don't, I'm never going to be good at that. Oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, and so, like, when I first saw that, it was like for the first aha moment, I was like, it's okay for Marshall to suck at certain things. And then all of a sudden, everything that Gary had preached about for so long kicked in. It was like, why do we focus? It's like we're really good at like one or two things. We take that, we set, we're like, we'll come back to that. I'm going to set that over here. And I'm going to spend my whole life trying to make these things I suck at better so they match this. And so when I finally got that concept, I actually had a three-minute phone call with Gary Vee. Nice. That changed my life. And it was right around that same thing of understanding when you're down, it's, you're going to be up again. And understanding when you're up, that you're going to be down again, how to create that balance. And so self-awareness for me has been everything because I've now been able to take a look at my life and go, what do I suck at? What am I really good at? What do I enjoy? And, and again, not to bite his style, but it's just he said it so perfect. It's like when you stop being romantic about these things, that you feel like you have to be for society and you can become self-aware of who you are. Now it's a game changer because now it's like, it's like I've taken away everything that the world can use against me. What am I really good at? So I tell my clients, I'm like, imagine if you took all your attributes and laid them out on the table in front of you. Why don't you just look down there and pick the two or three that you like pick for the zombie apocalypse and then just get rid of the rest of them and then just go to town with those things. And so then becomes that desire, which is like what Tony Robbins preaches all the time. It's like, listen, well, clarity is, is massive. You got to have an absolute clear vision of what you want, but you got to have the desire to go and get it. And, it, and it's, he says, you know, it's like we're either working towards uh, pleasure or moving away from pain. And it, you really got to just decide what's more, what's more pleasurable, what's more painful. And for me in my life in 2016, I got to a point where I was just so tired of sucking. I was so tired of showing up and seeing the guys at the beach with their shirts off. And I was the guy who was a little chubby. I was sick and tired of being, you know, at the bar. One of the guys from oh, back in the day would walk in and he was like successful and run his own business. And I was the fucking beach bum that was getting drunk and doing drugs every weekend. Like I was tired of that. I wanted, I desired a change in my life. And so when I dedicated myself to becoming better and I realized, cause I'm a blue collar guy, like we're, we're competitive dudes. It's like, when I realized it was like, all I had to do was work really hard for this one thing that I could have whatever I want. I was like, when do we get started? You right. know, some people, some people contract when they find out it's all their fault, when they find out they're a hundred percent and that's okay. Like teach their own, we're all different journeys. Most people will contract and go, well, that's not my fault. People will kick in. I didn't do this. You think I asked to be broke and it's like, you're missing the point, but that's okay. And then for the rest of us, when we find out like, yo, bro, like, you're in charge of the whole thing. You're like, are you kidding me? I'm the only thing standing between me and what I want. And you understand that that variable is like, it's both the biggest gap, but also the least, it's like the, the biggest resistance, but also the least resistance, depending how you look at it. And so um, I think that's why those three things stick out to me. I think I missed one of them, but we kind of get the point of what it is I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And for someone who wants to be a full-time speaker, full-time podcaster, like what's the best path for someone to do? I'm asking her a friend. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 100% do. 
<laughs> and you already you know what's funny about this is like it's the same thing that you would say if somebody came up to you at this point and they're like, yo, bro, how do I get started podcasting? You would be like, just start podcasting. And yeah. they're like, yeah, I know, man, I know, but like, you know, like, like, how do I actually, how do I actually podcast? And you're like, well, you know, bro, like, um, you just get started, like, you just start podcasting. And so, I think that the speaking industry for so long, and listen, I'm just gonna say it, both speakers, and I'm talking like, both speakers, as in like, most entrepreneurs say that they're a speaker. Yeah. So like, both speakers, like, 99% of speakers are still people, and I don't say it's an attacking way, it's just it is what it is. Most speakers are still people who are really hurt. And I can tell because I'm very intuitive with energy and yeah. how they show up with the, how they're speaking. And there's these things that I'm, I'm like, I, what you're saying is good, but I can tell that you don't believe it and that you haven't healed from it because they're coming from this place of ego or lack or scarcity where it's just, they've been taught that in order to get, they have to take. And so they've wrapped up taking an NLP and a story, which they truly believe, but I can feel is so inauthentic. And so for me, when, you know, when we talk about how to get started speaking, I'm like, first off, don't listen to what 99% of the speakers out there are telling you because they like speakers don't really like me. Traditional speakers don't really like Marshall Live because I'm this kid that walks in well, I'm 36. I'm not a kid at all, but I'm this guy who walks in in a hoodie on, I get on stage I'm with my hoodie up and I'm wearing what, like, some tennis shoes. And they're like, this guy is so disrespectful. Like you're on stage. And then I get up there and I tell you that you, anybody can be a speaker. All you gotta do is share your story and share it on social media. And then, and all the speakers are like, well, that, that's not real speaking. You got to be on the stage. But like, and I, mean, I don't mean I, I'm trying to over exaggerate, but I really mean that. And so a lot of people who do want to speak, they think because they can't, they're not booked on a stage, that they're not speakers. And so I'm like, dude, if you want to get started speaking, you got to speak. That's yeah. it. That that's that's it. You got to speak, and you got to flex that muscle. Like, for example, Les Brown, one of the top motivational speakers oh. of all time. Yes. For decades and decades, he did a free a free call every Monday, Monday motivation call. And people like Les, you're one of the most successful speakers in the world. Why are you still doing this free time, this free thing? And more than you've helped this community, because so it wants to flex that muscle. And so the first thing to get in speaking is you got to speak. The next yep. thing you got to understand is that speakers book speakers, speakers book speakers. You got to run with that crowd. And so, uh, you know, I always talk about creating a virtual platform. I'll just a simple framework. Um, Create your brand story, your signature message, which you guys just kind of refined today. Build your brand around that. Once you know your signature story, now what you guys got to do is build your online brand. This is for anybody, if you're not known and you're not famous, then you've got to build an online brand like Eric has done right now. He's been doing this, this macro piece of content, which is his two podcasts. He's been visible online. So he's been building this online brand. Now, the next thing you got to do is then you got to get seen on stages. And this is the hardest one. It's the third thing to be seen on stages. And so what I did a few years ago, which is actually the system I teach top eight speaker, it's like, I was like, well, if nobody's going to put me on stage, I'm just going to do it myself. And yeah. so I literally started hosting my own monthly meetup. I bought banners on Vistaprint for 80 bucks a pop, designed them on Canva. They're all pixelated, look terrible, but they also look awesome, right? I put yeah. up behind me. I put up a meetup. I'm having a meetup. Literally, I mean, I was blessed. I had a lot of people show up to my meetup because I had a brand deal at that time. But if only eight people showed up to my event, it doesn't matter because I built an online brand. I know my brand story. And now I was live streaming from my physical event onto my digital platform. And so people on my digital platform who were never going to see me in person, they looked at me and go, wow, look at Marshall out there doing it. He must be an expert. The people that came to my events, they would see me streaming online and be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, go to my social media. 
they would see my macro content, my two podcasts, and they would see Mr. Eric on top online, and they'd be like, wow, he must be some sort of an expert. Now, instead of doing meetups, we have virtual events. So it's like, dude, if you want to be a speaker, it's never been easier. All you got to do is figure out your story, build your online brand, and then host a virtual event. Literally, you can do it from the comfort of your own freaking home. And just being seen on that stage, positioning and framing, um, it's literally simple. It's so simple to get started. There's, there's barely a barrier to entry, but you'll phase out quick if you not become the master of your, of your skill. So, but, oh, um, so good. So good, so I dude. Love- I actually just got booked for my very first paid speaking gig happening next week it's a virtual speaking gig so it's gonna be right awesome. here on this camera man and uh thank you man that's i'm great. super pumped that's awesome bro. i'm happy for that yeah 15 minute talk on mindset man which uh, i'm all about dude so yeah really excited about that yeah i just got a few minutes left but marshall i wanted to ask you because i'm a big music guy i always love to ask this question what's a favorite band for you or do you have a favorite type of music you like to listen to I listen to all kinds of music. I mean, legitimately, like everything. Like, I'll have some Bach on, and I'll be doing some trap music, right? I nice. grew up on country, but um, so I'll I'll, I'll give you guys this is like how eclectic I am. Okay, I, I will say that my favorite band ever is probably Sublime, but nice. close second. I'm talking like Grace and Thin is Alabama. Okay. Like I was jamming with Alabama this morning at the gym. Right? I had put on great hits, yeah. but and I'm not ashamed to say I at this I think I can finally admit it. I think my favorite album of all time is the land of Norse that jagged little pill. So like, that's such a good I'm, album though, dude. I'm all over, bro. <laughs> I'm all over. I'm all over. So that's my thing about music, man. Oh, that's that awesome, was, man. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall, this was such a great show, man. Thank you so much for coming on and spending time, man. You are an absolute awesome. world changer, man. Thank you so much for taking the time, dude. A blessing, man. If you guys are uh, tuning into this, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. Leave Eric a five-star review. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.